excited about anything, <laughs> anything that God's doing, anything we get to participate in. Well, we're in the third week here of our series, Unrivaled, amen? And um, during this season, as I told you before, my heart is that you and I understand and that we know in whom we believe. We know who we serve. And so many believers, so many Christians, they don't really know or fully comprehend the one that they serve or the one that they profess. And our heart is, is, you know, volumes have already been written, right? The whole Bible, right? And so many more volumes have been written about who he is and, and, and how amazing he is. The Bible says that if you tried to write um, all the volumes of everything that Jesus did while he was just on the earth in three years, uh, during that time of ministry, he says all the volumes couldn't even contain that. It's what the word says. And so as we're looking, we're just highlighting a few things, but I believe that it's things that are so vital to our life and our walk with him, because if not, over time, he just becomes another um, religious expression or another religious figure, right, that we just say we live for, but really we just kind of go on about our lives and we don't live in the fullness of who we are because the Bible says that we're new creation, we're new creatures in Christ. We're in him, amen, and I want to find out who I'm in. You see what I'm saying? I want to know who I'm serving because that's going to dictate the life that I live. And so it's so vital um, that we do that and look into that and understand that. So our series has been called Unrivaled, and I'm going to read to you again the definition. Um, this one's the obvious, it's having no rival, but it also means incomparable and supreme. Incomparable being imminent beyond comparison. Supreme being highest in rank or authority, highest in degree of quality, ultimate or final. There's no one greater than Jesus. I mean, we have our Heavenly Father, but I'm talking outside the Godhead. There's no one greater than Jesus Christ. There's not a person that's walked on this earth that has conquered, that has overcome, that has conquered nations. There's not a person that's greater than the person of Jesus Christ. And he's not a philosophy He's not just a religious experience. He's not just some uh, religious being that we believe in. He is alive. He is living. And the Bible says that he's seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Amen. And it's important that we understand that he is a person. And so as we've been walking through, I love the Christmas season. I've told you that. Um, and, and, and so when I think about the Christmas season, you know, when, when I consider and I just kind of think about the season that we're in, you know, we get, we, we, we have the, the, the gift giving and we have, you know, we have, I don't know how many Christmas trees are up in our house and, and I just enjoy all of it. But what, what do you think about when you think about Jesus during this season? What's your thought process when you think about or that you think about during this season? This season? You know, I had them put this up. We just had it made. Um, the nativity scene or a nativity scene. Is, you know, do you think about that? Is that, you know, you think about Christmas and I, I think about the nativity. I think about, you know, the baby Jesus in the manger and we've got Joseph and Mary and we think about the shepherds that showed up and the wise men that came. We think about that nativity story. But it's more than a story. It's more than a display. 
There's something behind that and something so powerful and so amazing that it brings life and it, it has the power to change our lives. You think about the good news. You think about joy, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, hope for all mankind. You think about that Christmas story. And I want you to know that it is a powerful story and it is something that we need to remember and something that we should revisit, that we should know that you ought to read. Again, if you've not read through your Bible, through the Gospels of the Nativity story, you ought to read that in this season and let God speak to you out of that because there's so much to it. But what I want you to take away today about it is We talk about the nativity and we focus in on this baby boy that was born. Born of a virgin named Mary. But we think about this nativity scene and we think about this baby in the manger. But have you ever taken inventory of this scene because it's such an amazing scene and have you allowed yourself to look beyond the baby? Have you looked beyond the scene of of, of what's happening? I'm not taking away from it, but I want you to understand that our life is more than the nativity scene. And we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ during this time, which is incredible and it's an amazing thing that has happened, but there's so much more to it. There's so much more that has taken place to make this scene possible. And it didn't just end with this scene. It didn't stop with this scene. There's so much more that has transpired through this baby Jesus. And you and I need to make sure that we understand that. Have you ever asked yourself, there's two questions, and I want you to think about this as I'm sharing with you this morning. Why did he do it? And what did it cost him? Why did he do it, and what did it cost him? Why was Jesus born, and what did it cost him? See, it's easy just to receive the benefit of it and think about it and think about the cuteness and think about, oh, we just, we're celebrating Jesus and we're celebrating the season, yes, but why did he come and be born? Why was he born into the earth, and what did it cost him to be born? Because you see, there's a price attached to it. He wasn't just born, there was a price. And I'm not just talking about Mary or Joseph or things. You can go back and listen to past podcasts from Christmas, but I want to bring something to your attention this morning that I think is one of the most powerful things that we need to look at. It's the most defining part of his person. And it's the one characteristic that truly reveals his goodness. And I want to talk to you about his unrivaled love. I want to talk to you about his unrivaled love because I want you to understand something this morning. There are babies born every day, but the cost isn't the same. The destiny isn't the same. The reason isn't the same. The purpose isn't the same. There's something unrivaled about him and about his birth, but I want you to understand it's all rooted in his love. 
his unrivaled love, his incomparable love, his supreme love. You see, God doesn't just act in love as though he's fulfilling somebody's definition of it, but he is the very essence of love. See, we can look at God's love towards us, and we look at that according to a defined or pre, uh, uh, predefined expectation or attitude of his love based on our previous experience of life. But I want you to understand that when God walks in love, he acts in love, he performs love, he does love, it comes from the standpoint that he is the very definition of love itself because the Bible says that God is love. And so God doesn't, we don't take God and try to put him up under some definition. We put God at the very top and say everything else must line up with him. And it's a different perspective of the love of God towards us. Because if you try to put God in your definition of love, then you'll never walk in the fullness of the love that he has demonstrated towards you. Because the moment that you try to compare God to your definition of love, then you've just undermined and limited the power of God in your life. So our purpose is, is to look at what Christ has done, look at what God has done through Christ and say, okay, now I need to understand his love that he's demonstrated towards me and let that be the definition of love in my life. 1 John 4, 8, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God. And you may say, yeah, but pastor, I love I love people, I love everybody, according to what definition? What definition are you defining your love by? The Bible says that you don't know God, right? If you don't love, why? It says because God is love. God is love. God doesn't just walk in love, God is love. We are those that are walking in love, but we ourselves do not define it. We walk out the expression of it, and the Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by what? The Holy Spirit. So we have the capacity to walk in the love of God. And listen, an unbeliever, a person who is not born again, does not have the capacity to walk in the love of God. Because it is a love that is, is, is an outflow of the Spirit of God. It's not merely just a natural response to things. It is an outflow in our life by the Spirit of God. So I want to give you just four quick things about his love this morning. The first thing is, is that his love is preeminent. Well, what does that mean? It means it's first. He said, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. God is love, so that means that he is the first expression of love. His love doesn't come secondary to anything else in this world. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, before you were created, before the worlds were created, Jesus was already counted as going to the cross for humanity. 
So his love was already on display. His love was already intact. His love, now listen, it's important. His love is not a response to, but an expression of. See, God's love doesn't respond to anything. His love is already established and everything else is a response to that. So when the Bible says that God so loved the world, he's not responding to the world. What he's doing is he's establishing his love in the earth towards the world and everything else that happens now becomes a response. So for your life and my life, Am I responding to the love of God towards me? Well, if God loves the world, then why da-da-da-da-da-da-da? God's not responding that way. God has already established his love. Before the first atrocity in the earth was ever committed, God had already loved. So he's not responding to atrocities. He's already established his love. He's already set the standard. And I want you to get this. I want you to understand it. 1 John 4, 19, it says we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Our capacity as believers to love is a response to the fact that he loved us first. So everything you do now is a response towards the love of God because he is love. There's no way around that. There's no religious duty. There's no religious expression. There's there's no level of generosity. There's no level of goodness. There's no level of righteousness, if you will, that you and I can do to earn his love. His love is already established. Now he's saying, I'm looking for your response in the sense that all we can do now is respond to his love. The second is that his love is unconditional. He loved you and me without conditions. His love was demonstrated before you ever responded. And this is important because this same love that I'm talking about is the love that's poured out in you for you to demonstrate to others. And so God's love towards us is unconditional. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Now understand this statement. And that is, is that before you ever were born, before you ever made your first mistake, before you ever did whatever you've done in your life, his love was already established towards you. And so there's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it, and there's nothing that you can do to diminish it. But you have to respond to it to walk in the power of it. And 
So many times we spend our time trying to earn, trying to get God, trying to ask, you know, trying to, trying to move God in that sense. Listen, he's already established that he loves you. And that's what we celebrate in this season. Is we don't celebrate just a baby in a manger. We celebrate what sent him to the manger. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved the world that he gave. A demonstration of his unconditional love. The third part is that his love is intense. You say, that's a little bit weird. The word may be a little bit different, but this is what I want you to understand. Is that God's love is not passive. He demonstrated it. He demonstrated it with intentionality, and he demonstrated it with passion. Think about this. He was born in a manger. He's born. The king of kings is born in a manger. God is put on flesh. He's, he, he comes in the likeness of man, and he's born in a manger. But yet God makes it the centerpiece Wise men follow from the east. Angels announce to shepherds this thing that has taken place that we celebrate the birth of a savior, the birth of a king. But yet he didn't come as a king. He came as a lowly baby in a manger. We celebrate him. He did it with intentionality. He did it intensely. He did it passionately. Jesus came in his power. He came in love and as a demonstration of the love of God towards your life, and he did it passionately. Why is that so important? Because a passionless love to me is not true love. A love that doesn't demonstrate, a love that doesn't act, a love that doesn't move, a love that doesn't operate. Love is not just a noun. Love is active. That's why he was the lamb slain. Not just the lamb that existed, but the lamb slain. He was active even before the foundations of the world. There was action. His love is not casual, nor is his love reserved. Ephesians 2, 4, it says, but God, so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. He had to satisfy it, and he did it through the birth of Jesus Christ, and not just his birth, but his life, his death, his resurrection. The last one, and to me the most important one, is that his love is sacrificial. 1 John 4, 8, it says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which is a fancy word for an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. He became flesh, he suffered, he died, he laid down his life. True love is measured by sacrifice, not by profession. The intensity, the passion, the the weight of a person's love is measured by what they're willing to lay down in order to demonstrate that love. See, we look at it as what I profess and what can I give to demonstrate that love. But if that gift has no sacrifice... then the meaning of that love is diminished. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Your wife and her measure of your love is not all the fancy words that you write of adoration, which those are good and those are important, but it's going to be measured by what you lay down for her. See, we look at it as, well, I gave her this, I gave her that, and, 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 and I'm sure she's grateful. But what did you sacrifice? If it was just measured by what we give away, then we wouldn't have so many divorces. Because we have people in huge homes, fancy cars, money coming out the ears that can't seem to stay together. So if that was the answer, anyway, the Bible says he became flesh. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. I'm going to read to you out of a couple of translations, so just kind of track with me. You'll be able to, to, to go back and listen to this again, and I encourage you to do that. It says in verse 6, Philippians 2, this is the Amplified. It says, who although being essentially one with God, we're talking about Jesus, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think his equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. In other words, he was essentially one with God. John chapter 1, concerning the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and then we read that the Word became flesh. So he is equal part of the Godhead. But he says, right? He says he did not think that this equality with God was a thing, now listen, or a reason to retain that standing. Now listen to what it says. But he stripped himself. He stripped himself. God the Father did not strip him. He stripped himself. This is important. Because Jesus had to be part of the sacrifice. It couldn't just be something that the Father wanted. Jesus had to have a part in it. Because then it becomes a dictatorship. So your sacrifice is a choice. Not an obligation. 
it says he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a bond slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. This is the sacrifice. Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus never stopped being 100% God. It's the only way he could be the substitute is he had to be both God and man. But he laid down the privileges, he laid down the privileges of it, and he humbled himself, and he put on flesh, and he still wears that flesh today, albeit it's glorified, but he still wears it, because when he appeared to the disciples, he said, put your fingers in the holes in my hand. Put your finger, Thomas, in the side of me and handle me, touch me, and see that I'm not a ghost, but I'm real. You see, he made a sacrifice that he can't go back on. Now, the rest of the story, you have to wait till Easter. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The rest of the story is that God glorified him and gave him a name above every name. So I don't want to misunderstand that. But I want you to understand that there was a sacrifice made. So the authenticity and the intensity of his love is measured by the sacrifice in that he gave up everything in order to become you and me so that he could live a sinless life, he could live a perfect life, And then he could die for you and I as a criminal. And if you aren't careful, and if I'm not careful, we look at this manger scene and we think about the cute baby and we think about peace and goodwill towards men, which we should. That's the reason he came. But it didn't come without a price. It didn't come without a cost. And you and I are mistaken to think that our life in Christ is going to come without a cost. And through Christ, we've been given a lot. But in order to walk in what he has walked in, in order to walk in what God has given him, then you have to give up the same thing. And that is your life, your privilege, your comfort, 
You have to give that up. I'm not saying you can't live in a nice house or do any of those things, but I will say this, if what you have is not used for the furtherance of the gospel, then why do you have it? See, there's sacrifice involved in this season. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating this amazing birth. And I don't want to take away from just how awesome and, and wonderful his love is. But I think sometimes we just look at that and we just say, oh, that's just so sweet. And that's so cute. And we don't realize that there was a price that was paid for that. And that price was paid as an unconditional price. Listen, real love costs something that cannot be restituted. In other words, real love costs something that cannot be paid back. Well, I'm going to love them as long as that's demanding restitution. And that's not the kind of love we're talking about. Let me show you. John 15, 13. It says greater love has no one than this. He's saying there's no greater love, there's no greater expression of love than this. That someone laid down his life for his friends. See, when you lay down your life for your friends, they can't give you your life back. But God can. So many times we are wanting to demonstrate the love of God, but we have strings attached. And what am I going to get in return? How is this person going to pay me back? We do it with our kids. We do it with our parents. We do it with our spouses. I'll love you as long as. I'll serve you as long as. I'll come to church as long as. When real love is a sacrifice, God demonstrated that love by sending his own son. He demonstrated it by putting on flesh and dying on the cross. He died sinless, but yet was made to be sin for the world of sinners. The demonstration our love, listen, must move beyond convenient sacrifice, good deeds, and expectation of return. It has to move to a sacrificial love that costs without the expectation of return. I've got to be willing to lay down my life. Today, we celebrate deity. We celebrate God, we celebrate Jesus Christ as Lord, but we celebrate him stripping himself of all privilege of being God and putting on flesh. He's born into this world as a man, although still God, and living a sinless life for the purpose of being made to be sin for a people that may or may not believe in or recognize or receive the sacrifice that he died, that he made, but yet he died anyway. Will you love anyway? Will you love anyway? 
says, no matter what the response is, will you love anyone? Will you give up your life? Will you sacrifice? Now, I'm not saying give your life up. It says lay his life down for his friend. Listen, I understand in our life, I understand the dynamics and the different things. But I want you to understand that that love that sent Jesus to this manger is the same love that's poured out in your heart and my heart as a believer. And it demands the same sacrifice in order to demonstrate it. We are celebrating this season the most powerful, sacrificial, and unrivaled demonstration of love that man has or ever will know. That's what we celebrate this season. And like I said, it doesn't end with the manger, but that's, that's the beginning of the action of it. He was born. He was born into this earth. The birth of a Savior, the demonstration of an unreserved and undeserved love, the giving of hope and eternal life for all who would receive it by faith. We didn't deserve it. He didn't hold anything back, and he did it for you and me, and he did it for this world. And in this season, it should be all the time. It's just brought to the forefront in this season, and that's the way it should be in our life, that we realize that our life is a life to lay down. And the Bible says that he who seeks uh, to, to, to find his life in this world will lose it. But he said, he who loses it, now listen, for my sake, he said he'll find it. Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to sacrifice for him? And I don't mean go and do something that he hasn't asked you to do. It's a sacrifice of obedience to what he's asked you to do. And it's the same thing that Jesus did. Is Jesus didn't just come up with his own plans and say, Father, I'm going to just go do all this for you. And I hope you like it. Kind of like a bad Christmas gift, right? It's not anything you ask for, right? But it's something that somebody just did and, and you know, Aunt Susie's, you know, Christmas sweater. You know what I mean? It's in obedience to if you have an Aunt Susie, I'm sorry. But do you understand what I'm saying? Is that Jesus didn't do anything unless the Father told him. So it wasn't a willy-nilly sacrifice. It was a very intentional sacrifice. And that's what I'm talking about. Bow your heads with me. I want to challenge you in this time. There's two sides of this. We have the receiving side of his love. And I want you to know that you are loved so deeply, so passionately, so intensely, that God went through so much effort to make a way for you and I to have a relationship with him. Through the birth of of his son, one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this earth. 
And the response to that act of love is a simple response. It's an act of faith. It's responding and saying, Jesus, I receive the sacrifice that you made for me. I receive the love that you've demonstrated towards me. And we do that, Romans 10, 9, and 10, by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. So right now, whether you're watching online or you're in here in person, or maybe you're watching this at a later time, this, you could pray these words with me this morning. And you can receive the fullness, the benefit, the power of this love that's been demonstrated. You just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive by faith the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Your death, your blood being poured out for me. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and my mistakes. And I receive the forgiveness that you've given towards me. And I confess today that Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I receive you into my life. And I lay down my life for you. In Jesus' name. Now the other side of this is that you already have made that decision. You've already prayed. And my heart towards you is not a, to, to make you feel guilty or condemned, but I, I pray for the revelation of this today in your life. That whatever God's talking to you about, whatever He's put in you, that you make that decision, if you've not been obedient to it, that you make that choice, you make that decision. It has to be a free will decision and sacrifice. You choose to lay down your life. Father, I pray over this congregation. I pray over those that are watching, that are believers. And I pray for a greater revelation and understanding of the Word of God, of who Christ is. And, and your love towards us. And not only just us receiving your love, but understanding that we're to demonstrate that same love to those around us. That we're to lay down our life in order to communicate that love to this world. And I pray, that, Father, if there's any person that's not been obedient to you, any person that's not walking in that, Father, that they would choose choose freely from their own will to lay their life down before you to be obedient and I thank you that as we do that that your word says we're hidden in Christ and we've been seated with him that as sons and daughters we have rights we have privileges there is blessing in serving you but it doesn't come without the sacrifice of laying certain things down. So I pray for the conviction of that in all of us this morning, of any area, anything that we've not laid down in our life that needs to be laid down in order to walk in the fullness of who you've called us to be. And I pray this morning over any person 
that Father is struggling in this season. And I pray for the manifestation of your love in their life today. That Father, that you loved first. So I pray right now that you wrap your arms of love around them. Let your presence, Father, encompass them right now. Father, whether it's at home, whether it's in a car, no matter, Father, even here in this place, let your love, your presence, your goodness, your glory be manifested in their life right now in Jesus' name. That they would know your love for them. That they are not alone. That you are good, you are faithful. You're a healer, you're a deliverer, you're a provider. You make a way. I pray for them to know that this morning and experience your power and the authority of the name of Jesus. I declare healing this morning. I declare your provision this morning. I declare peace this morning. I thank you for joy being restored this morning. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to you. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it. Father, I pray for this season that's been heavy, this season that has been filled with uncertainty and challenges and frustrations and, Father, all different things. But I thank you that in you we have joy. That in you we're not bound by the circumstances of this life. And I pray, Father, for this season, the rest of this year, to be filled with joy and celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. Father, peace and goodwill towards men. Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. I pray for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus a hand.